Hey team, welcome to episode 50 of Transition Talk, where we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. Today, we are going to circle back, way back, to a topic we first covered on episode five, all about lending. It's a necessary evil in transition, and while the last thing most of you want to do is think about taking on more debt, most of you have to do it to get to ownership. This is the part of the world that is a bit tougher post-COVID, and so we wanted to spend a few minutes talking about how the current lending environment has changed and how it hasn't, and what you need to know if you're thinking about ownership in the short term. But before we get to talking about money, Mr. Loretto, how are you? I am doing fantastic, girl. How are you doing? I, I'm doing good. I'm back in the office and I don't know. We've got some new hires up in got here now. Got new hires. Yes, that yes. fun part of it is. managing a business is, it is having people and getting to train and kind of watch the business grow. And so it's super exciting. Well, it's good to see you in this, uh, not just leadership role, ownership role, creating all these <laughs> systems and how to bring people in. And, and all their tools, and uh, you're doing really good. Mama tired. <laughs> <laughs> Mama is tired. What's going on at Loretto Manor? You got kids going off to school? Yes, yes. So we have this, we call it this uh, messy path of transition. So we've had a messy path on getting my first two off to OU. So if you go back to one of the episodes, Cole forgot his ID on uh, check-in day. So we had to <laughs> $200 Uber bring up a passport to get him an ID so he can get checked into school. So uh, Bella, one year later, decides to one-up the little brother, and uh, apparently she did a online kind of Zoom COVID test where she does the saliva, and you, you have to show your picture and all this, and so it got mailed in. Well, apparently they didn't get it, because at check-in, we're in a car, and we go in, and they look at her, and they're like, yeah, I'm sorry, you can't check in. And uh, it's going to be 48 hours. You're going to need a COVID test, this and that. And so she comes out. She tells her mom. And, of course, mom's a little bit more stricter than dad. And, you know, you know maybe she doesn't make her feel good. That's an understatement. But uh, she gets the big elephant tears. She's super just upset. She's going to have to drive back to Dallas, the car of shame, back to sleep in her little bed. And then car of shame back up a couple of days later. So this is not going to go well. Right. No, this is this this girl. Hopes and not only has she moved out, I don't know if she'll <laughs> ever move back in ever. <laughs> so I go into problem solving mode and I just look at her and go, I got this. Like, let's just figure this out. Let's get stuff out of the cars. Let's figure out how mm-hmm. we're going to get this into our dorm. I go to problem solving mode, go over the dorm. I try to like get past the little security guy. He's like, no, I don't have a little car pass. I'm like, no, no, I just got a couple of questions. Long story short, I manipulate myself through a lot of different hoops and we get all the crap moved out of our car. We literally move it in ourselves instead of the, you know, having OU do it. We secretly, don't tell anybody, uh, secretly moved all our stuff in without any ID. She secretly kind of slept one night there at the university. We got the COVID test, the rapid test now filled out that morning. She got her ID. It's all good. Dad to the rescue. But she watched me in action of like kind of going through this, you know, like talking to the dude and it's like, okay, well, here's the deal. We're going to be a little bit after the five o'clock cut up. And let's just say that we're a little bit after this. How are we going to be able to get through that gate? And are they checking IDs? Is the RA? She, and I'm like, 
Bella, here's what we're going to do. There's a will, there's a way. We're going to figure this out. (laughs) So it's kind of bonding, you know. She got to see me in action, kind of solving some problems. And so. Doing it calmly. Yes. Getting it done. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All calm. So, uh, yeah, we are checked in. So let's just cross our fingers. She can stay up there for a few weeks. (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen. You put 40,000 young kids together. Probably not going to work out good, but. Anyway, she'll have fun for the first several weeks before they kick her back home. I yeah, know. <laughs> I know. We got an email from Lila's school that said, Our intention is to be face-to-face from September 8th through September 18th. Oh, wow. And wow. literally my face was like, and then what? So, yeah, I mean, I think we're all just kind of day by day. Not good for type A personalities like myself, but that's okay. You're going to be back to being your teacher again at home. I can't wait to yeah. deal with Christy, the uh, no, co-worker. No. And the, and I've the... waved the white flag. I said, mother-in-law, <laughs> I've given up control. Like, this okay. is not healthy for me, nor my child. Please come in and you be a good teacher. So I think I called in the backup, so we'll see. But I'm, right. sure, I'm sure I'll have to fill in a few days. Substitute teacher Christy is probably better all right, than all right. solid teacher. <laughs> okay, so let's dive into what we're going to talk about today. This has been something that is, if you are looking to transition or if you're a seller who's looking to sell, you're going to have to be flexible. Talking about being flexible and post-COVID, you're going to have to be flexible. You're going to have to have patience and have grace on this lending process. This has been one of the things that we know has changed. And my hope is that it will return to pre-COVID lending eventually. But for right now and for the foreseeable, I would say at least the next year or year and a half, we are going to have to deal with kind of the repercussions of this. So at first, before we get going into what has changed, clearly you can go back to episode five and listen to the good old days of lending and where we talk about kind of what it used to be like. But I want to recap that here because there are a lot of things that are the same. They're still looking at the same thing. So I want to recap what pre-COVID lending looked like and what they focused on, and then we'll kind of shift into what's changed. Sally Plain? Yep, perfect. So we have some kind of bullet points that we know they talk about. Give me a couple of things you know that are most important about pre-COVID lending. Yeah, so pre-COVID, you got your basics of, they certainly look at the financials of the practice, what it's doing. They certainly Mm -hmm. want to look at you. Mm -hmm. So when they look at you, obviously they're pulling your credit score, looking at your revolving debt. Mm -hmm. They want to make sure that if you've got one payment left on your Lexus at a thousand bucks, they're going to assume that you're going to keep having thousand dollar car payments. So you definitely want to keep your revolving debt low, but the key is cash. And we always talked about just kind of a strategy when you come out of school and strategy of kind of your why, you know, why you should own. And then the how, this is what this podcast is intended for is how to become the owner, but you got to have that liquidity. And that's the biggest shift that's what's happening right now in our space is the amount of liquidity that these banks are now requiring. And it's it's pretty much across the board. So you've got all these major, major lenders, these big giant players that do probably 80 and 90 percent of all the volume in dentistry, four to five banks that do probably 90 percent of all lending. But then you've got a lot of these little regional banks and some of these other big names even like a chase that are just, they see the opportunity because these bigger ones that have all their kind of eggs in this basket of doing dental, kind of hitting the brakes on some of these deals and being a lot more hesitant. So you're starting to see more banks, some of the regional players now come in and be a lot more competitive and just getting some deals done. So yeah. And pre-COVID it was, you know, we always said five to 10% and it really, we never really got kind of a, Hey, this is what it has to be. Mm -hmm. But we kind of knew that was the general rule. And it's funny. I've heard, I've talked to some of you that have called in and said, hey, been listening to the podcast. 
I bought a house. I know I shouldn't have. Or I've been paying more on my debt. I know I shouldn't have. I don't have the liquidity. And that used to be something that we would say, okay, well, it's still based on the bank. It's based on the cash flow. Like you still probably need to work to have more, but let's see how it goes. Okay. Now, when we talk to you, we are going to say something a little bit different. But before we get into that, let's talk about the other things that they would focus on. So the practice itself, clearly cash flow is important. It's always going to be important. And I don't think the cash flow strength as far as how it weights into that decision has changed significantly. I always think it played a pretty big role. Sure. Consistency, the production, and the transition plan are three other things that the bank always focuses on. So what did that give me just kind of high level about those three? Yeah, just so again, million dollar practice, one has a 50% overhead, one has a 70% overhead. So one makes three and one makes five. So certainly the bank is looking more for the one that makes more. Certainly the bank is going to look at the consistency. So is it a $600,000? dollar practice now it was eight it was a million you're just seeing that decline you're seeing the profitability decline so obviously the bank wants to see a practice that makes a lot of money because in the end they're going to go back and look at your assets and go back and look at your credit go look back look at your revolving debt and see can this person continue to live this same lifestyle with the purchase of this and then what is stacked against them they want to look at the assets as it you know they'll be looking at the balance sheets as it got a bunch of old stuff how much you need what amount can you borrow or purchase an AR. There's so many different factors. It's not just some, hey, it's a 600 collection practice. The price is 450 and I've got X thousand saved. Any bank's going to get this deal done. That might have been the case January of 2020, but it's not going to be the case, you know, going forward. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we always talk about what the transition plan, what the sellers, what's their involvement going to be? What's the opportunity in the practice? What's being referred out? What are you going to be able to keep in? They're only open two days. You're going to open four days. And a lot of that was helpful in your decision-making of if you were going to buy the practice and helpful in the risk you were taking on. And the bank wanted to understand that, but they weren't so much interested. They're not going to bank on you keeping Indo in the office anymore, right? They want to know that, but that's not coming into their decision-making of whether or not they're going to approve or deny you. That's one area where at least I think we're seeing more shift. And again, probably not a huge amount of weight, but I think that the, the relationship between all these components, like your financial situation, the practices, cash flows, the consistency, the transition plan, the opportunity is probably more important than it used to be and how those factors work together post-COVID because I just think they're looking at their risk on these deals a lot more heavily than they used to. I think what you just said there is, is the risk department of these banks are just diving in deeper now. Yeah. So this the questions of, is the guy or gal going to work back for you? Is it going to be 30 or 35%? It was like the smallest detail at the very 11th hour. They're approved, but let me let me ask this or that. Okay. But now it's like even before their approval, they're asking all these levels yeah. of questions. And so you got to understand, if you think about these four to five major banks out there that are doing the vast majority, we're talking, Christy, you know, 15, 20 billion dollars of a portfolio yep. that is out there. These banks are lending, you know, a couple of billion a year in this industry. And if you look at these banks, when COVID happened in March, all these banks basically went to the borrowers and said, Hey, if you need some help and you want us to basically, you know, suspend your payment right now, we're gonna offer that to you. And then just they kind of followed suit, you know, with all like your home lenders, your mortgages, yeah. you know. But what's crazy is the number of people that said, yeah, 
I want to do that. So we're talking in the neighborhood of 60 to 70% of every borrower in dentistry said, yeah, I'll take a couple of months off from paying. That's going to freak out a lot mm-hmm. of banks, and a lot of board members to figure out, okay, wait, 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 what, what are we doing here? Yeah. So all of these different dynamics that are, are mm-hmm. kind of happening right now are affecting our world because people still want to buy, people yep. still want to sell. But in the end, we've got to get a bank to fund these transactions. Yeah. And I think the further out we get from the event and the further kind of it comes back and their security kind of, I mean, I think all of this will wash out. This is not Agreed. a long term kind of 20 years from now, we're going to still be talking about this. But I definitely think in the short term, like if your horizon to buy a practice is in the next two years, you're going to have to, because this time period is going to be in that time period the bank wants to review. And so how are they going to look at that? And I think that's the biggest unknown that we don't know right now. And there are things within your control as a buyer or seller and things not in your control. And so again, just knowing what the rules are helps you figure out how to play by them if that's what your plan is. So if you look on just on a percentage standpoint, if the history of loans are in dentistry some something like a 99% success rate as far as the borrower not failing, it's a great business. And that's why the competition, a number of banks and big players have come and said, we want your business, want your business, want your business. But if you've got numbers like 60 plus percent of every dental loan and there's 20, 30 billion dollars of loans out there saying, hey, I don't know if I want to pay right now. Yeah. That will freak some people out. Yeah. So that that number says, hey, risk department, we might want to take a few more minutes to ask a few more questions. Right. Yeah. So- Which is crazy because, I mean, like if someone's like, hey, do you want to not pay uh, and during a national pandemic when you're not really sure what's going to happen? Would you like to not pay for two months? And yes. We'll add- I will add it on to the end. Like whether or not I need it or not, I'm like, yep, sign me up. Like right. cash in hand is better than yep. not. Yep. So let's talk about what it looks like now. So again, everything we just talked about still really important, but now let's talk about personal financial situation. So five to 10 is what we would always say. What are we hearing now? Yeah. So the old days was a bank. The banker would tell you that you need this 10% number. Okay. So go back to the million dollar practice. The price is $800,000. The bank would tell you early on you needed the 80,000. What we knew for a fact, again, competition was there, and I've had credit departments from these major banks come and lecture to our kind of Cane Waters group, and basically, I pushed them to the point to where they told me, they need 5%. Mm-hmm. So you really just needed 40,000 40, cash, okay, on that kind of 5% yeah. amount. And the reality is they have come and said, it's 10% hard line. That's the most we're giving, period. So yeah. that's where we're at. Like we're in screening calls. They know nothing about the practice opportunity. What's the price and how much do you have in savings? Not enough, not a good fit. Right. You're going to need to figure out. So the old days of, okay, maybe we'll look the other way. If grandma put in another 50000 your in your bank account, hey, maybe you should try to do that. Let's see what the bank says. All of a sudden now the bank is like, wait a minute. Where does money come from? How's this going to work? Mm-hmm. So there definitely has been a major shift. They have actually reached out to us and said, make sure before you send over these leads that we've got clear expectations going for. So by far the biggest thing that's at, at the shift is this 10% that they are needing. So yeah. never more important to get that liquidity up. So by far, that's our biggest change. Yeah. And if you have the ability to have a gift, that's fantastic. If you you know have the ability to get that money, and but it's going to have to be in your account. It's going to have to be yours. It's not going to be as flexible maybe as it used to be to just to show the liquidity. It's going to have to be your money, however long you have it. So that's a big thing. Anything else on yep, that? Yeah. So on liquidity, yes. And the second biggest shift that we've seen is the amount that yeah. we're lending. Okay. So 
let's go back to the million dollar practice. So before, let's say it had all brand new, just equipment and finish out was amazing. Some 50% overhead and a major beautiful area, California or major metro city, uh, Denver, or DC or something. And, it, and for whatever reason, the market was commanding this maybe 90% price. So maybe the practice price was 900. These banks would sometimes just get the deal done. They actually approved the $900,000 amount. They would tell you maybe 85% is kind of their max, but they would actually lend the 85 to 87 plus some working capital and you know it get it done yeah it maybe end up lending almost 90 plus percent and it the deals just got done when they looked really really great now it's 80 percent yeah across the board like this is the most we're lending that's i'm not doing line of credit not doing you know on top of that i'm not doing ar that's the amount of money we're gonna lend yep. so that's been a big shift as well and yeah. this will actually impact in my opinion i think it'll drive prices down because we have this tiny little shift of now all of a sudden it being a tiny bit more of a buyer's market than it ever has been, whereas mm-hmm. before it's been a seller's market. So now all of a sudden we have banks are saying we're not going to lend as much. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it's a leverage and a tool for the buyer to say, hey, I know you want this, but this is this is all I'm going to get approved yep. for. Therefore, the price comes down. So I see that changing and impacting valuations going forward. I agree. That and the ones that maybe do or could command the higher price because of location or specialty or like super low profitability, there's going to have to be more seller involvement and a seller is going to have to kind of make that determination. I think both of those, like both liquidity and the amount they would loan were kind of like blurred lines. Like the line was kind of there, but it wasn't as harsh. And now it's for sure like hard stop. This is our limit. We're not going over. So yeah, I agree. You know, I think also from a real estate perspective, I know I have seen more, both real estate, honestly, and none, I've seen more SBA in Mm -hmm. kind of action right now, kind of so those, and then more regional banks. So like you mentioned earlier in the episode, there's more regional competition for the national lenders who probably have more exposure because they had bigger portfolios, who are having more hard lines, and now regional banks are coming in. Now, there's a limit and capacity of what regional banks can do. They only have so much capacity and so much loan and so much process to be able to handle kind of influx of more people needing their services. And so I'm hoping kind of that the balance kind of in that shift happens. But I think we used to say, hey, go get out, go get two big lenders and maybe one regional because the regional really couldn't really hang with Mm -hmm. kind of competition wise. And I still think too national because a lot of you are still going to be there. But I also think that you're going to have to expand your options and kind of go to a few more banks depending on your practice too, if there's weak points of your opportunity. Yeah. My experience with the the local and the regional banks, a lot of times the the young person or even established person is like, hey, use my bank. And primarily for the young person, is they're new and it's, I want to try to keep this local and it's fine, but we go all the way to the finish line and I got all my eggs in the basket that I'm working with this bank that I don't know. And all of a sudden we go to close and something gets messed up and I can't pick up the phone and throw my big weight around, mm-hmm. you know, but if I got a national lender that I know the person at the top, I can sit there and say, what are we doing? Why is this a hang up here? Mm-hmm. And so if they do let us down at the national level, then I've got a little more power to not send them business. I can send the business, you know, elsewhere. But, you know, now, quite honestly, we got to go where we can get. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, that now all of a sudden maybe it's two big banks and two or three 
smaller regionals. Mm-hmm. It's fine, but yeah. I need to solve this problem with lending. If not, these deals are going to get hung up. Yep. Another thing we've been seeing, so consistency and kind of the practice history was always important. It's still important now in this kind of post-COVID kind of lending environment, but we know all practices are going to show down in 2020. And so in order to understand, like we've talked about, is the practice value still worth what it was pre-COVID? We have to look at stability and how much is it rebounding. And so banks are doing the same thing. So now they're looking at monthly production collection numbers for 20, and they're looking at them from 19, and they're making that comparison. And the rule we've kind of seen in between, and this is kind of a blurred line, usually 80% is the minimum. They want to see 80% of whatever 19 production collections were. But we've also seen up to 90% requirements. So I think, again, it depends on the strength of the practice and cash flows and kind of your transition history and what you're going to do. But that kind of consistency is what they're looking to see. And it's typically from reopen. So we're seeing June and July right now. Anything had closed in September, October, we're going to have to see August and we're going to have to see that rebound from 19 numbers. Yeah. So if the previous year in 19, it was doing 1.2 and you consistently were hitting or the doctor was consistently doing 100 a month. I mean, what we're looking at as the it's funny how we were like for the first time we talked about this in other episodes and other webinars that we've done that for the first time I want to see monthly numbers well because I know what the bank's going to look at yeah. as well and I just want to see it and so if I look in our practice and I did 100 in January 100 in February and 50 in March because it was shut down on the 17th and then we had some emergencies you know part of March and April and depending on what state when we opened up and then we bounced back and maybe some of your hygiene numbers are off of as a GP practice but you can see it's coming back And for most part, these practices, they're absolutely coming back. You know, it's cool because we have this pulse of dentistry having 2,300 dental clients at Cane Waters, that ability to look at their financial statements, to see their balance sheets. Most of our clients are sitting on a bunch of cash because of either PPP loans that they've got. And then basically they didn't have a lot of cost during the shutdown and things kind of bounce back, you know, Mm -hmm. really, really quickly. And so I want to see that consistency on a month-to-month, and that's coincidentally what the bank wants to see as well. So not only month-to-month, January in this case, through, let's say, you know, in this example, through August, but the bank now wants to see January through August as well and be able to compare those month-to-months. And the one thing I want to make clear on this episode is banks are just weird of like how they think, Mm -hmm. okay? I scratch my head and I say, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I don't understand. I mean, to me, one of the dumbest things or one of the biggest risks is, hey, I know you're 27 years old and science-minded and uh, you've got one year of experience. Here's $550,000. Go do a startup. Good luck. Uh, we expect you to go find market brand and you're going to need 50 new patients a month. That's like so easy to approve. And they'll give you 550. In the meantime, you know, two seconds later, I'm trying to get this five year experienced person out, and it's an 800 collection practice. It makes 300 grand out of the gate. And they're like, oh, we denied him because of this one little crazy thing. And I'm just like, are you kidding oh me? Oh my gosh. So, so banks, you have to know that they're weird. They have different things they think about, different departments, different risks that they have to, you know, factor in. And sometimes they just do things that don't make any sense. Got two examples. Tell, because I, I mean, two we, examples. This is ridiculous this here. Is, I actually got a text from a client this morning that was like, approved because <laughs> of this story. So, had a client, 
has been waiting to do this transition, has been in the practice for a long time. And this is something I've seen in more than just this practice, but unfortunately it impacted him from a lending perspective. They're doing this month over month comparison. And so they asked for June and July numbers for 20 compared to June and July of 19. Well, July of 2019 in this practice was the best month they had ever done. Like, I don't know what happened, but they did roughly like, I think almost two and a half times what they've done any other month. So of course, when you compare July of this year, they had a fantastic month. I I think it was like 280 compared to like 150 this year, right? Not a bad month to do post COVID, but because it was too far off from what was done in 19, they denied the loan, even though If you go back to July of 18 or July of 17 or July of 16, it's consistent with what they did in 20. And even though both months on both sides of July of 20 look good, that one piece created an issue. In this case, too, like the year, the year to year comparisons are all in line. Yeah, totally in line. It's just this one little one month, July of 19. You guys killed it. July of, of 20. You're having a great month. But it's a this it's ratio. a percentage off. Yep. Therefore, we've looked at it and deny. Yeah, who cares? You have the ten percent liquidity. Who cares? You know, five years experience. Who cares your your credit score? Somebody in the risk department that's got this higher power says this doesn't make sense. Yeah, this is the head scratcher of all head scratchers. Yeah. So luckily. We go and he's approved through another lender. And, and there was a, hey, like, we'll look at it again in a couple months or whatever. But no one wants to go no. into, like, Try to tell that to the seller and the broker. Yeah. Hey, uh, I know the practice. I'm going to buy it. I know your commission. <laughs> I'll be back in a little yeah, bit. I'll we'll be back. No. <laughs> so luckily we got, you know, it's approved. But again, that just kind of doesn't make sense. But clearly made sense to another lender, right? I mean, so every lender is going to look at this a little bit different. But then they're not negative against one or the other because the lender that approved this one made, I think, a real dumb judgment too on another loan we had. So we had another buyer who was buying a smaller practice and the cash flows were tight. The seller of this opportunity basically had said, look, I know I'm going to be retiring and I want to be real generous and I want to give back to the staff. And so for the last year and a half, so the last full year is all of 19 and then 18, he had decided he was going to give 25% of their salary nice. back to them in a retirement contribution. Okay. okay? Yep subjective, totally had told them like, I'm going to do this. No one else is going to be able to do this. This is kind of my gift to you. Here you go. The bank came for this new buyer and basically said, nope, he did that. You're going to have to do that. You're going to have to do 25% of their salary as, as, and and so I'm going to assume you're going to do that. And therefore you're denied because these cash flows don't work. Even though no other practice has ever done that, 3% 3% is all they are actually required to get right. for their kind of policy and benefit package. And they denied him for that. So it just kind of shows that there's these one-off things that like logic, rhyme, or reason like just doesn't right. register. And it's just a rule and it's black and white and there's like no gray. So so what the bank is saying is Sally is making $40,000 a year. She's got two kids married to the fireman. <laughs> And she's getting 25%, $10,000 contribution into her retirement plan. But because Johnny takes over, she's going to quit her job, right? Yeah, totally quit. Yeah, she's going to quit. Mm-hmm. And because uh, she can go down the street and definitely get 25% comp. Oh, 100%. Into her, yeah, because that's everywhere. 
that literally makes no sense. I, I'm actually quitting on Monday. <laughs> I'm going to move to be a hygienist at the practice. It's worth the investment. Right. So, I mean, I just think it goes to show, and this is, again, I mean, little things like this happen all the time, pre-COVID, post-COVID. It's just what it is. But I think in this post-COVID environment, when there are more black and white strict lines versus kind of these blurred ones that were guidelines, then I think these kind of more rejections for things that are just kind of maybe short-term blips are going to happen. And so again, just having those multiple sources of and options from a lending perspective is going to be helpful. If you're a seller, being able to have and understand how your practice is going to be analyzed. If you're looking at this, if you're, you know, you need 2020 to be strong. You yep. need, you know, if you're thinking about selling in 2021 or 2022, now is not the time to take the foot off the gas. You need to continue on and maintain consistency, show the number of days you've worked, keep track of that if you don't, right? I mean, because that is something to look at. How many days did you work versus not and, and year over year? So just anything you can do to prove out that the practice is equally kind of productive, I think is really important. It's, it's a messy path we're on, girl. It is. It There's is, it so is many different of factors of, of going down this road of transition transition. And uh, this is a big one. This is definitely a big roadblock in the deal. So we, we've got to get you to understand what it takes to get qualified and to be patient through this process mm-hmm. now more than ever, because uh, there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of people and brokers, there's the sellers, the sellers accountants, there's just the bank, there's the credit departments, could be the landlords involved. There's just so many things that are impacting how we can get these young people in. And so certainly be patient through this process, especially during this unique time that we're dealing with. Absolutely. So that's all we have for today. Thanks for joining us on episode 50 of Transition Talk. Thanks for listening on the treadmill, the car, wherever you are. We love doing what we do and love talking about transition with you. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks, guys. Yep. Awesome.